That is our text today. It's Matthew chapter 28. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. And I also want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here today on this wonderful time of the year, December the 11th. And then next week is the 18th. And then the following Sunday, uh, it happens every uh, few years, the, the Sunday will be on uh, Christmas, Christmas Sunday. So today we're going to finish up a series of messages we've been in uh, for a few weeks now called CrossFit. And then next week we'll preach a Christmas message. And then um, the 24th, which is De uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve, uh, I'll have a special message that night. And I'm going to go ahead and advertise that just a little bit, especially if you have a, ch a child in your home. Uh, what we're going to do that night is I'm just going to have all the kids meet me here at the, uh, at the steps of the altar, and I'm going to share a special message with them that night, and I'm going to give them all a Christmas gift. You say, well, how are you going to pull that off? We're just going to pull it off, and I want you to help me. Bring your kids, and it's going to be a fantastic time. That's 5 p.m. Christmas Eve, December 24th, and then the 25th is Christmas. But I'm so excited about the message today. We get to finish out this series we've been talking about called CrossFit, and if you're New to our church, if you're a guest, uh, we just bring you right on in with us. So let us encourage you with this text. Uh, it's called uh, The Great Commission, not The Great Suggestion, not The Great Recommendation, but The Great Commission that, and think of it like this, the tiny baby Jesus born in a manger, he grows up and he lives an amazing life, never sinned, never had a bad thought, deed, action, Jesus Christ, absolutely perfect and pristine. And then he took his life, and he put it on a cross. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I willingly lay it down. And he dies for us, and he's placed in a borrowed tomb, and God the Father raises him from the dead. And Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says, and for 40 days, Jesus Christ went throughout Palestine, the area, and he preached the kingdom of God. And then Matthew chapter 28, as he ascends to the Father, he leaves us with one last word. And it is a powerful word. Think about it. If you knew that you were about to depart and go into eternity and you had a few moments, you would calculate, you would be very careful what you had to say to your posterity, to those who loved you the most. And so Jesus Christ is about to give to them and to us the Great Commission. Now the cross of CrossFit stands for Cross Redemption Others salvation and story. That's the cross acrostic. The fit component, find your place, invest in others, and the T is to train the next generation. And that's what we're doing today. We are training the next generation on how to be a disciple and get this, not only how to become a follower of Christ, but how to lead others to become followers of Christ who will lead others until Jesus comes. And basically, this is the heartbeat of Great Hills Baptist Church, the Radiant Church. Our desire is to make much of Jesus in worship, to teach His Word, to lead people to become dedicated, devoted followers of Christ, and then equip them and encourage them so that they can go and replicate, they can duplicate uh, who they are. And so here it is, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Let me read it to you. I just love it. I've preached on this passage so many times, and it never gets old. It's always so vivacious to me. It just, it just wells up within me, and I just get so excited. Though I don't feel good this morning. How many of y'all don't feel good? You got a cold, or you got something coming on you? Ah, misery loves company. Amen. Let me just, just kind of love on you, and you love on me just a minute. I just felt bad the last few days, but here, here's the thing. 
You just can't call in sick. You know what I'm saying? Some days you just can't call in sick. And today was that day. I am not going to not preach this message. So I'm going to preach this. And so to, today afterward, if you go to shake my hand, let me just do a fist pump to you, all right? Or an elbow something to you, but don't want to contaminate you. Some of you are already contaminated, but anyhow. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Here he is. The king is about to go back to the Father, about to go back to heaven. And he said, all exousia is the Greek word. It's not dunamis. It's not power. It's beyond that. It's authority, control, the reigning monarch, the heavenly despot. There's another Greek word called the pantocrator, meaning in Revelation 1-8, the Almighty. And Jesus said, all authority has been divested unto me in heaven and on earth. Some, somebody said, well, that's very braggadocious, isn't it? It's not if it's true. <laughs> and it's true. All authority. And notice the encompassing, extensive authority. It's all authority given unto me as the Son of God who laid down my life and I rose from the dead and the Father has divested all this power and authority unto me. Now, therefore, go. I love that. A lot of times in the Great Commission, we separate his control and authority aspect from his commandment. But here's, listen to this. When you know him and who he really is, you're more inclined to obey him. All authority has been granted unto me. Now, therefore, go and mathusete, make disciples. The aorist, active imperative. There's only one imperative in the Great Commission. It's not go, it's not baptize, it's not teach. Those are all adverbial participles modifying the main verb. You remember that? A hundred years ago when you took English and grammar and that sort of thing, those adverbs modify that main verb. And so the going, the teaching, the baptizing, they all buttress, they all support the main thing. The main thing is go make disciples. Lead them to me and then teach them and nurture them. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them. Didasco, it's where we get the English word didactic. Teach them, instruct them to obey, to observe all the things that I have commanded you. That's the commission. Now, here's the comforting word. I love this. Don't disassociate the great commission from the great promise here that lo, the word lo there is, hey, listen up. <laughs> Can I get your attention? One more time. Look, look at me. Disciples, listen. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And that's his final word. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we are receiving this great commission afresh and anew because every generation needs to be evangelized. Listen, every person born on planet earth deserves the opportunity to know that God invaded our ugly night of sin. He, he penetrated the darkness through the birth of a baby. And this baby that was born in Bethlehem, come on now, he grew up and he lived an awesome life and he died that vicarious death. Did he not? Did he not die on a cross and then placed in a tomb? And he arose from the dead. He's conquered sin. And everybody who believes in him 
has eternal life. And that's a message. That's a message worth sharing, broadcasting, perpetuating, giving it to every single man, woman, student, boy, girl, everybody. So today, we're going to look at the great commission component of training the next generation. Now, when I say train the next generation, don't necessarily think that that means, hey there, Sticky. Hey, thought you had me, didn't you? Forgive my ADD for a moment while I take care of business here. There it is. When I say generation, don't think of necessarily younger generation, okay? Just think of the next generation of believers. You may be 65 years of age today, and today, this very day, you will hear the gospel. It'll penetrate your heart. You'll recognize that you're a sinner, and you need forgiveness, and you'll repent, and you'll believe. You'll be born again. The Holy Spirit will come within you. You're a babe in Christ. Even though you're 65 years of age, you're a babe in Christ, and you will need to grow, and we will want to help you grow. And so we'll want to nurture you and encourage you so that we all come to the full maturity in Christ. And that's what church really should be all about. Evangelism and discipling those who we have evangelized. So the first thing I want you to notice with me is the word of control. And I don't want you to miss this. That control means that all authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me. This word exousia, as I said a moment ago, it, it, it's much more than just, um, you know, power. It, it has that idea that, you know, divine authority has been granted unto another. And Jesus says, that has been granted unto me. And he prefaces his great commission with a word about his authority. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful to God. Then in the midst of chaos, then in the midst of pain, then in the midst of confusion and difficulty, I can always know that God is still in control. I mean, that, that is a comforting word. That's an encouraging word. And when we preach the funeral message, in this very spot on Friday morning, a precious 37-year-old lady departed from this life and went on into glory. And, and I could stand before the family, and I could stand before the Francos, and I could say, yes, we grieve and, and we hurt, but God still is good, and God still is in control, and He is. You need to hear this, that God, Jesus said, I have all authority. It's been granted unto me. Jesus said in John 17, he says, as you have given him, talking about himself, exousia over all flesh. Do y'all know what that word all means in the Greek when you study it in its original language? It means all. <laughs> it's just everybody. All flesh. You've given me authority over it that I should give. This is Jesus speaking. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then this famous passage to support this idea of all authority given unto me. Jesus, he's talked about here by Paul in Philippians 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name. Come on. The name that is above every name. That at the name of, say it church, who is it? Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us be reminded this Christmas season, amen, let us be reminded of every day 
every day of every calendar year that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and He is the King of Kings. He is the great commander and we are His people. He has given us great commandments like love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And He's given us this regal commission, go and make disciples of all the nations. As I said a moment ago, a clear understanding of the one giving the orders leads to a deepening and an appreciation of what is being said. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are very, very doable. He tells the church to go and make disciples. And that's point number two. And I've, I've just phrased this the word commission. Therefore, he said, in light of who I am, go and make disciples. And the way you do that is you go. You actually get out of your geographical sphere, <laughs> your geometrical place, and you go. You go to your neighbor. You go to your colleague. You go to the nations. You go wherever God leads you to go and you lead them to Christ, and you baptize them, and you teach them, this is, this is the nuts and bolts. This is the blocking and tackling, if you will, of Christianity. It's so simple, but we've gotten away from it so very, very far away from it. This holistic idea of discipleship means that we evangelize, we go, and we tell people about the Lord. And then once they receive the Lord, we we nurture them, we teach them, we encourage them to grow and to mature in their faith. And that's it. That is the great commission. This is what God has commanded us to do. And I think about adoption. When we take a child into our home, let's say you adopt a baby. And some of you are in the process of that, and I admire that, and I appreciate that you, you adopt a child. Now, when you adopt and when you sign the papers, is your work over? <laughs> Your work has only begun. I mean, you've brought this baby into your family, and now you are to teach it, you are to nurture it, you are to discipline him or her, and you are to help them grow. And I like the way Rick Warren points this out when he says, quote, Jesus began his church as a family, but it changed to an institution in Rome, a political view in Europe, and to a business in America. Well, let's get back to the family. Let's get back to that component where we lead people to Christ and we nurture them, we encourage them, we go. And really a good translation of this is having already gone because Jesus is presupposing that if we really do believe in him, we really do love him, then we want to obey him. So it's almost like having already gone, as you go, make disciples. I couldn't wait to ask you all this question. This question is going to mess with some of you. And I'd just like to get up in your world a little bit and mess you up just a little bit, okay? Because this, this, this is going to be a question. And some of you are going to take it to heart. And I think it could radically change your life. If Jesus is who he says he is, he is the great commander, and he has given us explicit commands to go and make disciples teach them, baptize them, love them, bring them to the point of maturity. And by the way, he's given that commandment to all of us who know him. Not just preachers, okay? Not just missionary types, 
not just staff members or deacons. He's given that commandment to every person who names his name. Listen to me carefully. If you name his name, then you're to be a disciple maker. So here's the question. Are you ready for the question? Some of you are like, wait, 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 what's going on? Come on, man, wake up. Listen, rise and shine. What are you doing with the gifts and talents that God has given you? How are you leveraging those gifts and talents to make disciples of the nations? That is the question. It doesn't have anything to do with preaching. It doesn't have anything to do with vocational ministry. It's you as a follower of Christ, and God has gifted you. Man, God has gifted you with the gift of giving. You need to be giving. You need to be sending people on missions, man. God has gifted you to speak. Then you need to be up here speaking, or you need to be in that small group, or you need to be in that arena where you can use those gifts and maximize those gifts. For, ooh, come on, for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. Just think about it. Every single child of God has the spirit of God living within them, and the spirit of God has given you the gifts of God, and God wants you to use those gifts for his glory and the growth of his kingdom. Think about it. What if all of us did that? Wow. What if all of us did that? We had what we have. We take it. And we say, God, it's yours in the workplace. And wherever you put me, God, you've given me the gift of, let's say you're a great athlete, or you can sing, or whatever you do. You do that craft. As one person said, you know, real living is find out what you're good at and do it. And if you can find out what you're really good at and do it and get paid for it, that's really cool. <laughs> but then he said this, if you can find out what you're really good at and do it and get paid for it, then leverage it for the kingdom of God. That's really living. Going, baptizing. Whew, how many of y'all been baptized? You know, when I was, became a Christian, I, I, I really got saved when I was 19 years old in, in college. But I'd already been baptized as a six-year-old because my brother got baptized. I thought that was really cool, so I got baptized. Until I was 19, I really understood what it means to be a follower of Christ, to deny myself, to walk away from my pride and me and embrace Jesus and let him be the king of my life. And so I had to get baptized again. You said you, you, said you had to? Who said you had to? Jesus said I had to. You said, well, where does it say that in the Bible that I'm supposed to get baptized? Come on, read it. Go make disciples and dunk them. It doesn't say sprinkle them, doesn't say spit on them. It says dunk them down and raise them up. Baptizo. Just, Jesus would say, just like I got baptized. When I was 30 years of age, John the Baptist dunked me good. And I went down and I came up and I was obedient to the Father. And you need to do the same thing. So I'm going to baptize. I don't baptize a whole lot. But I'm going to do it next Sunday. And if you want to get baptized, you meet me here. And I won't hold you under about five minutes, all right? And I'm going to let God rub, rub you good, all right? Just get you down there. Hey, we're about to baptize in a few moments. Did y'all know that? We're going to baptize. The heater's been out. We got the heater fixed. And we're going to, Ross is going to baptize a couple of people next week. Marcy, God bless you, sweet soul. I'm going to baptize her next week. And anybody else, listen, if you have accepted Christ, and you want to go public, and you, you're not afraid, you're not ashamed, then show up, and we'll baptize you, all right? Amen. 
And then the last component. Remember, go, baptize, and he says, teach. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I love that the emphasis from Christ is not on accumulation of knowledge or facts of the gospel, but obedience. Don't miss that. Go make disciples of all the nations, all the ta ethna, all the people groups of the world. Baptize them. That's their way of identifying with me, Jesus would say. That's how they identify with me, and that's how they identify with the church. And then teach them. Just like a newborn babe, like a babe just has to learn vocabulary and then learn language and learn sentences and learn social skills. So a new person in me, Jesus would say, go and, and teach them, impart to them. The goal is not instruction so much as it is life transformation. And I want to stress that for a minute because I'm afraid sometimes in the Baptist circles we... We place so much emphasis on instruction and erudition even and academia and understand, understand. And I get that. Believe me, I get that. I got a Ph.D. in all of that. I do get that. But that's not the goal. That's just the beginning. Understand and then live. Live a changed life. Live a life that reflects the glory of God. Live a life that is, that is commensurate with our lofty profession. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we're going to fall, bump our knees and bruise ourselves, but get back up. We're in a family, and we're nurturing one another. We're encouraging one another, and we're teaching one another so that we come to full maturity in Christ. Making disciples. I just love it. I love what I'm hearing in our church as as many of you are taking this very seriously, I was, after I preached a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I got a couple of comments I want to share with you. One of the ladies in our church, she said, you know, God spoke to me through that message about being a disciple maker. And I went home and I launched out and I, I've, I've started a Bible study with the neighborhood ladies and I've already had five people sign up, she said. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to invite the whole neighborhood. Then I had another young man come up to me right just last week. Last week we had the, uh, the mission service, and he came up to me and he goes, Pastor, he's a college student. He said, I'm, I'm discipling three young men now. Thank you for challenging me. Ashley and I were, Friday night, we went up to Preston World. Y'all know where that is? Preston Wood Baptist Church up in Dallas. And they had their big Christmas spectacular extravaganza, and it was, it was amazing. And our son, Bryant, who's on staff there, was an intern there, uh, he said, Mom and Dad, could y'all please come early on Friday? Uh, the, the show starts at 7.30, but the guy that's discipling me wants to meet you. And I said, come again? He said, Tom is a businessman in Prestonwood, and he is discipling me. He is mentoring me, and I just want y'all to meet him and his wife. So we did. So we went up Friday night, and we had a wonderful time. And this Christian businessman is discipling and mentoring my son. Been doing it now for about eight or nine months. Okay, now, now stay with me. Now I'm sitting in the service, and man, they got it going on. I'm like, I thought I was at Broadway. I thought I was in New York City for just a moment. There were angels coming down, out. You know, they were tied, you know, tied on, but they were like, shoom, Santa Claus come riding in on his sled, and I was like, this is crazy. And then all of that transitioned right to the gospel. And there was a bunch of teenagers involved in it, and one of them toward the front, Brian said, Dad, you see the guy second to the front there on, on the left-hand side? 
I said, yeah, Brian, I see him. Brian said, I'm discipling him. I said, excuse me? I'm pouring into him. Guys, that's what it's about. He's having somebody, a Paul, pouring into him, and then he is pouring into that young man. He's, here, here's the thing I said last week on Facebook, and, and the Lord gave me this. I don't get many original thoughts, but here I got this one. I, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to help put an end to the following statement in Christendom, nobody discipled me. Don't y'all hear that? Don't you hear that time and time again? Well, I became a Christian. Nobody, nobody discipled me, and I didn't really know how to live, so I just went back living the way I used to live. Come on, Great Hills Radiant Church. Let's get them folk and say you're not supposed to live that way. Let us help you live for Jesus Christ. Let us teach you. Let us model for you. Let us mentor you. Let us encourage you so that you grow, and you grow in Christ to the point where you take somebody else and you disciple them. Let me tell you something, guys. This is Christianity. This is why Jesus died and rose from the dead, so that we would lead people to Christ, mature them, disciple them, so that they would lead. And I know you're looking at me like a calf looks at a new gate. You, you know what I'm saying? If you've been in the country and a calf's walking up to a gate and it's new, it goes, man, you start doing this number. It's like, whoa, whoa, I don't recognize that. And I'm preaching this, and a lot of us don't recognize this because we've been duped into thinking what Christianity really is. We think Christianity is a show. We think Christianity is all about me, and it's all about what I think. No, Christianity is all about Jesus and obeying Him and making disciples. That's it. Um, hmm. Well, if you, if you weren't sick today, you could really preach a good message. Well, I'm giving it all I got. All right, I'm giving it all I got. Paul said, and I love this verse. This is a theme verse for me as I try to make disciples and as I try to encourage you. He said, we so affectionately long for you that we were well pleased to give you not only the gospel of God, but we gave you our very lives. That is the template, guys. That is the model for discipleship because you became dear to us. Let me, let me finish the message today with a word of comfort. It is a word of comfort, is it not? I know Jesus has given us this audacious goal. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The Lord knew what he was doing. He's saying, oh, little band of brothers and sisters, by the way, take this good news and fling it as far as you can. Take this gospel and evangelize the nations. And, and God knows what he's doing. He, Jesus dies. He, he rises from the dead. He ascends to the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. And that's why he can say, I'm going to be with you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he, the Spirit of me, he will be with you. And you will never be alone in this divine enterprise of sharing the good news and making disciples. By the way, let, let me just say, a sidebar note here, guys, this is an awesome time to share the gospel. I mean, every day is a good day to witness, but especially during this day, this Christmas season, 
I mean, for heaven's sake, just watch television. You got Hallmark, they've got <laughs> one Christmas show after. Then, you know, I, I, I kind of kicked Hallmark when I walked by him the other day. And, um, and some of y'all kind of sent me some notes and says, now, Pastor, Hallmark is a good thing. And it's good that Ashley watches Hallmark. And some of you ladies, I got your Facebook private message, me. Well, let me tell you something. Guess what I've been doing the last few days? It's awful. I come in and uh, beast German shepherd dog won't leave me alone till I go play with her. She'll go like she'll, she'll put her feet out like that and look at me and just start barking at me. And so I go throw the frisbee, throw the frisbee, come in to eat a little something and, and I sit down and Ashley's got it ready. And I'm like, ooh, good. Watching Hallmark, you know, Christmas, movies. Hey, listen, you know what that tells me? That tells me that they've tapped into something that Americans still like good, decent shows. You know, well, we still do. We still like a good, decent show. But it's all about Christmas, and people are thinking about Christmas, and, and we as Christians. Hey, listen, let, let me encourage you. I'm going to do this in my neighborhood. I already got a family. I've got them in my mind, in my heart. Why don't you invite them, especially to Christmas Eve? Because what I'm, here's what I'm going to do, guys. I'm just going to let y'all in on a little secret. Y'all good with this? I'm going to sit like right here. We're going to have all the kids come up. and <laughs> This is fun. And I'm going to give them a gift. No, I'm serious. It's going to cost some money. The staff know what this gift is. We're not telling anybody. Thank y'all for not telling anybody. But the kids are going to go, are you serious? This is mine. And I'm going to say, it is yours. Okay, and then I'm going to give them another gift and ask them to go give it to somebody. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's what happens. I'm going to be talking about the gift of Christmas and, and all the kids are going to be here and I'm going to be talking to them. And guess what moms and dads are going to be doing? They're going to be like giraffes, straining their necks going, what are you saying to my kids? It's amazing. When you do a children's message, the children hear it, but moms and dads really hear it. Because it's like, oh, you're not talking to me. You're not preaching to me. You're talking to them. They're like, look, listen, listen. So we're going to get them. <laughs> we're going to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We're going to give out gifts, bless children on Christmas Eve. And we'll preach the gospel. So listen, if you know somebody that doesn't have a relationship with God, bring them December the 24th, Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. Let's just fill the place up and I'll share the gospel with them. How's that? Is that a good deal? It's a good deal. I'll do it. It's a good deal. Oh, man. I'll close with this, this thought. Close is relative, okay? I'm, I'm closing. Okay. Control. Jesus has control. All authority given to me, I'm the king, he says. Go, tell the gospel, live it out. Watch me, watch me just a second. Live it out and lay it out. Okay, it's not enough just to live it out. They may think you're a good Muslim or something, all right? They may think you're just a good moral person. Li yeah, live it out, but you got to speak it. You got to speak the gospel. If the apostles never spoke the gospel, there would be no book of Acts. 
So we speak. We, we live it. We speak it. We, we, we lead them to Christ. We disciple them. We baptize them. We teach them. We get them in small groups. We get them, get them one-on-one. And we get them in big church. One pastor, Jerry Vine, said this one time. He said, the number one hour of discipleship in every church should be 11 o'clock. That's a good word. Because he's saying, he's commissioning me, pastor, preach the Bible. Teach the word of God so that people will grow and be deep. Don't be up there just jumping rope and telling a bunch of philosophical stories. Preach the word of God. Give them a little Greek, man. Give them a little Hebrew. Give them a little history and get them deep in the word of God. That's what I want to do. And that's what I'm trying to do is teach you the word of God so that you go. I mean, you just pour into others, pour into others. Control, commission, he comforts us. He encourages us by his spirit who lives within us. He never leaves us. Lo, I am with you always. Jesus is always with us. Listen to this. He's especially witness when you start talking about him. He loves that. Because he knows that the only hope for mankind is his death and his resurrection. But they can't believe in that which they've never heard. So... I want to be like Desmond T. Doss. He's the star of the movie of uh, Hacksaw Ridge, produced by Mel Gibson. That's a powerful movie, by the way. And uh, guys, it's probably good for you to go see it. I don't know if the wives would enjoy it that much. I went with a group of guys from our church. We went to see it. And hardly any cussing, I checked it out, by the way. I researched it before I went to see it. Hardly any. It's a military movie. Mel Gibson was asked, why did you put cuss words in there? He says, because I want faith people to come see it and not hear a bunch of F words and a bunch of uh, GD words. There's none of that in there. There's no sexuality in there. It's just bloody. It's just like it really was in Okinawa in World War II. And Desmond Doss is a conscientious objector, meaning... He feels very compelled to rep- represent and defend his country, but he says, I don't want to shoot anybody because it's against my religious beliefs. And they're like, well, what, what, are you, what are you saying? He goes, well, I want to be a medic. And I'll be a medic, and I'll go in, and I'll help those who've been wounded. And, and I'm, I'm coming here for, for army camp, boot camp, and I'm ready to do it. Well, man, they just crucified this poor kid. I mean, his buddies just bludgeoned him. They literally, physically almost beat him to death because they just hated what he stood for. They're like... And his sergeant and his captain, they, they just persecuted this poor guy. What they were trying to do was trying to get him to quit. Because they were like, man, we're getting into a foxhole. You don't have a gun. What are you going to do, shoot the enemy with your fingers? I mean, what, what's your... And they just persecuted But he wouldn't quit. He said, no, I, I believe this is what God would have me to do. Not shoot, fire a weapon. But I do believe he wants me to get out there on the battlefield and help. Here, here's the thing, guys. He, nobody knew that he was one of the most courageous people to ever walk the earth. Here's a little spoiler alert. Some of you, hey, it's been out long enough. If you want to see it, you've probably already seen it. So let me just give you a spoiler alert. He gets out there. The very sergeant and the very captain that gave him the most difficult time, Desmond Doss saved their lives. Saved them. Physically saved them. He spent the night out on the ridge All the soldiers had gone back down the cliff. He spent the night on the ridge, and all night 
Here's what he'd do. He'd run up to a wounded soldier and he would bandage him up and he would drag him to the end of the precipice. He would tie a rope around himself. Jason, man, this would be something you would love. Tie a rope around himself, tie it around the tree, and he would lower the wounded soldier down many feet. And every time he did it, he would say, God, give me one more. Give me one more. And he'd go out, he'd find a soldier that had been wounded, and he would bandage him up, and he'd say, it's okay, it's okay, come with me, I'm here. Seventy-five people he saved. Seventy-five people. And that mantra, that message, that word, and as he was saying it on the screen, it was just like the Spirit of God was saying it in me. One more. Just get one more for the gospel. And lead them to me, and may they be my disciple and, and grow in me. And I, that's what I want to leave you. I want to leave you with this thought. Just give us one more, God. Just give us one more person that will receive Christ. and We can baptize them. And what? What's this? What's this? What? Lead them to Christ. Just one more, Lord. And baptize them. And then, Marcy, God bless you. Keep growing in your faith. And she is growing, growing. And then... When that's done, let's do this. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're saying, and you're being deceit, deceitful. After that one, let's do this. Let's say, God, anybody? <laughs> Just one more. Just one more. The Great Commission. Father, thank you so much that you've given us this great gospel to share with the nations of the world. And Lord, here at Great Hills, we're just so blessed, God. We get it. We hear it. But, Lord, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. I read in your word, God, just this very morning, the generous soul will be blessed. There is one who scatters and increases all the more. May that be our church, God. May we scatter the seed of the gospel. Maybe you're here today, friend, and your head is bowed, your eyes are closed, your heart's beating a little quickly today in your chest cavity because this message was for you. And and you know within your heart of hearts, there's never been a time when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And you know that today is that day. First thing God wants you to know is that He loves you and He wants you to be a part of His forever family. And the way you gain access, really the only way you do it is you just say, Lord, I'm a mess. Lord, forgive me. I believe in you. And I trust you to be my Savior and Lord. And when you pray that prayer, guys, I'm telling you, ladies, single adults, the Spirit of God comes within you and you are reborn. You have a new name, a new nature. And then after this wonderful experience, you are to be baptized. You are to go public. You are to, the only person who knows what's going down right now is you and God. And God says, that's not enough. I want everybody to know. And your way of going public is through the water of baptism. And then, and then... You grow, you, you're nurtured, you, you study the Word of God, you pray, you, you make mistakes. Yeah, listen, guys, this is not some, oh, this is only for a holy bunch only, you know, all sinners excluded. No, you, you accept Christ, you're baptized, but still you're going to mess up. That's why you, you need the church. You need one another to grow and to mature in your faith. So would you do that today? Would it, would it, could it begin with a simple prayer of confession of sin? followed by baptism, followed by your nurturing. Oh, God, would you save today? Lord, would you please save? And I pray for our church, God, that you would entrust us as a nursery 
We would take those babes. We'd treat them really good, God. We'd give them good food, wholesome milk, the pure nutrients of the Word of God and nurture and care. And we'd see them grow to the point, Lord, like my son. He, he's growing to the point where he's already discipling others who in turn will disciple more. Lord, may that be replicated numerous times throughout our church. Let it begin with me. Lord, help me to continue to do this until my dying breath. Lord, I love this church. Thank you. Thank you for this army, Lord, this band of brothers, this band of sisters. And thank you, Lord, that the, <laughs> that the call, God, the commission is prodigious. It is so much bigger than us. But it's not bigger than you. And we're leaning into you and we're asking you to give us all the power and strength that we need. And finally, I'm praying for you, friend, if you're here today and you don't have a home, you don't have a church home, a place where you can belong. And, and by the way, church... Church life is God's idea. It's not man's idea. Church life is where you become part of other believers so that we can rub the, the rough edges off of you and you can help rub the rough edges off of us. See, Christianity in America has become a lone ranger, I can do it myself kind of thing. That's not of God, please. Over half the New Testament was written to churches. I need you and you need me. And God's idea is an ingenious idea. He knows that we can do more together than we could ever do apart. So come, be a part of us. I want you. I want you to be in with us and help us come together and make disciples. So Father, we love you. We give you this sacred time of invitation. And Lord, may decisions be made that will impact for eternity. Lord, may marriages be helped. Lord, may kids be blessed and encouraged and and God, may your church and may your kingdom thrive. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? God bless you. Let's have our invitation. Invite you to come. Meet with one of our pastors. Meet with one of our counselors. Let us encourage you. Let us help you even now as we sing. God bless you.